All right, we're back again. Episode three of Revenue Bites. Um, so far, it's been it's been going off uh, pretty great. We've got some pretty good feedback so far. Um, some pretty bad feedback as well. Uh, but <laughs> we're we're there. Um, especially uh after episode two, that was a that that was a doozy. If you didn't hear that one, definitely go back. But me and Isaiah are back again for episode three, and today. Actually, today we actually have a presentation. Uh, so for those that are listening through audio, again, we're going to try our best to um, give you a nice visualization through audio. Um, but again, like we always recommend, it's always best that you just go um, download the presentation or come just come come look at the actual webinar. Um, and again, uh, so for, again, for clarification, uh, if, if you're, it'll be on LinkedIn youtube um obviously the longest form is uh the full clip is going to be on youtube um and then from there you'll be able to go download the presentation as well um to keep keep that with you but uh isaiah what are we talking about today yeah we got a pretty good topic here to talk about uh it's a term that that everybody uses in SaaS, but mm -hmm. uh i think a lot more people could get a little bit more clarity on it, tighten it up a bit, uh, and keep iterating on it. Uh, and we're talking about ICP, so ideal customer profile. Uh, and we're looking at it from two from two angles. So one, how do you define it? Um, what are the criteria to your ICP? And then secondly, uh, how do you verify it? Well, so verification of your ICP is for uh, companies who have uh, a substantial amount of revenue, have uh, a good amount of of customers. Uh, and they're probably they most likely have hit product market fit. And now they're trying to go from win a customer at yeah. all costs to win our best customers. And they're trying to figure out who are our best customers out of all the customers we have sold to in the lifespan of our company to get the product market fit. Um, so this is going to be a fun one. I love talking about ICP. Yeah. It's, it's the foundation of everything. It, it's it's why you're in business. It's why you do what you do. It's why your function of, of a marketing leader is to market to these people to give them value and to deliver a product that is going to change their yeah, life. Yeah, for sure. If you are uh, if you are an expert at ICP, um, tell us why we're wrong. Uh, if you're if you don't know anything about ICP, uh, sit back, kick back, and and hopefully uh, we can provide some type of value. But uh, yeah, let's get let's get right into it. Let's let's go ahead. Perfect. Let's pull up this presentation. Let's get right into it. Uh, let's see here. Slideshow. Boom. So here we are again with Revenue Bites. Uh, I love I love Revenue Bites. It, it gets real, real, real and raw here. Um, but yeah, the topic is, and, and this is a, a question that, you know, we get more often than, than you think is, is what is an ideal customer profile? Um, and for a subtitle, it's, it's for what we want to accomplish is how to segment and validate your ideal customer profile using data. Keyword data, using data, not just, yeah. That's the keyword. Data. Yes. So uh, to keep it really simple, because we don't want to give you overly technical definitions for what an ideal customer yeah. profile is. Yeah. Simply put, it's the description, primarily in the form of firmographics, of the type of company that would benefit most from your solution. Not based on the individual buyers specifically, but the company as a whole. Now, there is a distinct difference between how it's done in B2C versus B2B. B2C usually goes by buyer personas because they don't typically have a buying matrix or uh, multiple, you know, people that they have to go through in order to get a sale made. It's usually an emotional sale because it's a low ticket product that is for pleasure and not for an actual business outcome. Just to give a quick example of what uh, an ICP is, um, 
this is our ICP. Um, I think we did a pretty good job of of, of really putting all the attributes we want uh, into a singular um, statement here. But our ideal customer profile is a U.S.-based sales-led growth stage, meaning Series A or Series B, B2B SaaS company doing between one and ten million in AR with the head of marketing with an annual solutions budget of, of at least two hundred and forty k and an ACV of at least ten thousand dollars. That's yeah, pretty clear. Pretty clear. Now, I mean, I, I, correct me if I'm yeah. wrong. Oh, I, I don't. I don't think correct you're wrong. Me uh, <laughs> I don't think you're wrong. Now, watch. <laughs> it's gonna be that one person. Like, oh, he's missing. He's missing this. He, he's missing that. Okay, it's our ICP. <laughs> yeah, we're it's doing our, just fine. <laughs> we're doing just fine getting to him. Yeah, I promise but this you is we are. again. This this is just um an an example for for you guys to kind of just take and use um and kind of just you can kind of just build build yours um with this with a similar uh, structure as far as wording and, and certain things in there. Look, it says like uh, for instance, ARR um sales led U.S. based um a a, a solutions budget annual solutions budget of, of at least two hundred forty thousand. ACV at least ten thousand. Like those are just key things that we look for. And obviously, um, you you may have your ICP. Um, and as you get more and more in, um, there's going to be certain certain things that you're going to kind of just filter out um, as you learn. So, for instance, I'll just use an example. Um, it, let's say um, we we just ended this one of with an annual solution budget of at least two hundred forty thousand, and, and we didn't state. That the ACV of it should be at least ten thousand. If we get um, somebody in whose ACV is a thousand dollars, and we realize um, our service or our product or service is not working as it should because of their low ACV, then you know that you have to add ACV to your ICP as well. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, you're you're going to continuously iterate your ICP. Um, the core shouldn't change, but the attributes and aspects of it should. Uh, that's like that's something like Chilik said is huge that we realized is uh, especially as an attribute for for your ICP is can they yeah. afford it? It's it's do they have do they have a set aside amount for the annual solutions budget for something in the market that they're looking for for your solution? Because if you're selling a a sixty thousand dollar a year product like something on the lines of metadata, but the companies you're going after only have a, a twenty thousand dollar a year Martech budget. Uh, <laughs> they're probably not in market and you're going to waste spend on companies that can't afford you anyway. They, they might, they might waste your time. And I hate to say it this way, but they may waste your time booking a demo or scheduling a demo with you. Cause they just want to see what all they can get if they can lower you on price. But at the end of the day, they're not in your ideal customer. They're not in your audience. They're not in your target market because they can't, they're, they're missing the budget aspect of it. And so these, a lot of the attributes that come from ICP can be validated through sales with something like Bant or or Spice. So what you're looking for usually, and I like using Spice a bit better, is uh, you're looking for different situations, pain points, um, critical events. Critical events is yep. one of my favorite ones. It's, it's something we want to get into a lot. Um, but to simplify it, if you want to use Bant, so budget, authority, need, and then time. Uh, time is another big one that I, I love to talk about. Um, and the reason I love to talk about timing is because you have to understand the time to value of your product. Uh, if you find that the time, your average time to value, that meaning that your customer experience is the value prop of your company in let's say 90 days, 
but the urgency and the need for them to hit that time to value in order to the, the achieve their goal is 60 days right. and your sales team still sells to them or your company's right. marketing it a different way, then you're going to have a big churn problem with that segment because your your time to value is way too far out and it exceeds the deadline that they need to, to achieve the goal that they have set out for your solution to, to help them achieve. So again, if you're a marketer and you want to kind of get better at refining your ICP and getting the criteria and as much insights as you can, go talk to sales and go talk to CS as well because they'll tell you who not to go after. They'll tell you who's the, the, the segment with the highest churn who they have the most problems, you know, onboarding, who they have the most problems at, with activation. Uh, so again, having that open line of communication is going to help you feed and iterate that ICP over time. And remember, ICP is different from uh, a PQL. Very different from a PQL. PQL, again, um, it's for your product. It's a product qualified lead, um, meaning it's pretty much just who can, who can you service, right? Who can you service? So that's, uh, a PQL is more so like the minimum. Like, do they even qualify to use your product? And then, and then again, the the ICP is just this is this is who you want. This is this is this is who you want. Exactly. Again, just because it's not who you, who you want, it does not mean that you cannot service them. Again, this is ideal, right? So this is who you want. It does not mean that that they, it does not mean that you cannot service them. Same thing as a PQL. Just because you can service them does not mean that they should be your ICP. It was a conversation we actually had with a with a, a really early stage company. You're gonna remember because you led this conversation. It was um, they were trying to really shave off who they could sell to because they they weren't the most exact fit as far as segment. Although the use case was the exact same of who their ICP was, and so they would they wouldn't treat them the same as who their core. Um, segment was although they were just as profitable and it was a conversation that you were like yeah it's ideal yep. especially when you're early stage you don't you don't you can't afford to really turn down a client especially now again you turn them down if they are they're not good fit for the product and they're not reaching any of the the band criteria but if they're in a adjacent vertical and they are they're in a in a segment that may not be um as ideal as you want, but the use case is the exact same and they're going to have the same exact experience or, or, a, a good experience overall. And they, they're not going to churn. Why would you turn them away? It's just that simple. <laughs> so the fun part about this is, is building your actual ICP criteria and parameters. Cause, uh, you don't want to just be selling to anybody. You don't want to just be marketing to anybody because those are the worst businesses in the world is those who say my product is for everybody you are a liar and i am sorry to say that but you are and your company is most likely going to fail because you're thinking that way um so you want to you want to if, if you're building a product it needs to be built for a specific person in a specific situation and in this case it's we're b2b a specific business and and at a certain maturity so Here's some of the criteria and parameters that we uh that we recommend we go through with our our clients at Everon. So number one is um, company firmographics. So uh, we're going to be talking about kind of four categories of of um, of your of your criteria. Number one is company <laughs> firmographics. So what goes into company firmographics? And we have four listed, and there's a lot more, of course. But number one is geography. Very simple. When anybody thinks about how to describe my customer, I promise you, if the first one or two answers is always going to be where are they located, where are they servicing at. 
So what are the locations that your ICP operates in or is it servicing? So um, we've been in some ad accounts that have been pretty, pretty funny. Um, they say that their ICP is just the US, but they have the entire North America, North American continent targeted. I'm, I'm, I'm going to target every, I'm going to target everything in North America. I'm, I'm going to target everything in the US, right? <laughs> Where are they at? And well, they're in the US. I can target everybody in the US. Um, and they're that, that's my ICP. No, that's not true at all. Yeah, that's not true at all. Uh, there's, there was a great client of ours that was in the, um, uh, in the maintenance space. They gave us a very clear ICP that says that there are very hot zones in the U S where there's going to be a lot of, uh, industrial companies that we want to go after. We're not wasting our spend. We're not wasting our spend on, on the entire United States of America. There are core cohorts of areas in the United States that we want to go after. Here's the list. Make sure you hit them. Perfect. We got directions now. We're not wasting spend on somebody who's not in in market. So geography gets more granular than you think. Um, number two is industry and vertical. I mean, that's pretty straightforward, right? Uh, what is the specific business vertical your ICP competes in? For us, it is B two B SaaS. It's that simple. Just just call out the industry or vertical that they're in, so that we you you know um, some of the attributes of the industry. Because that's a part of thought leadership. It's not just for your industry, but it's for the industry yep. of your ICP. For us as 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 people going out there, B2B SaaS marketers, of course, our our uh, our vertical is, is similar to what they're speaking anyway. But um, for somebody who's a little bit different, you have to be able to speak the language of your of your ICP's vertical as well. Um, number three is company revenue. Uh, and that goes into the buying power. If if you're if you're a company and and annually it costs $120,000 for your product and a company's probably only making a quarter million dollars a year, they're probably not going to buy your products. They're not going to spend 50% of their revenue on you. So you have to you have to take these these things into consideration uh, is how much money are they making and do they what's that budget that they're setting aside? And like, that will be a sub part of, of company revenues. What is their solutions budget for the specific department that you're going after? So number one, you have to know the, the vertical and the industry that they're in. Number two, what department are you going after? And that'll be in, in another section, but that like, you'll have to understand what are the averages of those budgets that the department is deploying and whether it's enough to cover your costs and what they need to do in, to kind of continue the day to day. Number four is company employees. I mean, depends on the SaaS product, but in a lot of cases, employee size matters. Um, I think a great example is is Chili Piper. Yeah. Um, when we were doing the partnership with them, they they wanted companies who had a pretty good size um, uh, sales team. Like, it's cool to have the ones and twos, but they get the most value. And then they also, the customers get the best experience when they have a bigger sales team it makes the entire process and the entire product experience a lot better. So company, the number of uh, employees at a company matters both in total and also at the department level if you're selling into a department. Yeah. Wanna take that one? Oh yeah, of course. You know, <laughs> the demographics is kind of just, it, these, th this is where things don't really, where where it, it, gets, it gets foggy for a lot of, especially earlier stage. Um, or like when you're trying to, you know, kind of segment off or, 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 or target, 
you know, um, new demographics, right? These are things that you just have to think about. So one uh, is definitely key, key titles. Um, so pretty much is what, like, who are you targeting, right? Who are you not, not company wise, but now we're talking about a specific person in the company or specific people that you're, that you're targeting, right? So who, like, who is a decision maker in the company? You know, who, like, who are you actually going to impact within the, within the company? Who is your product going to work for the best, right? Um, and then sometimes you have to ask, well, who's actually cutting the actual check for some companies? That's a, a different title, right? Um, and then again, key, the key departments also ties into key titles because you want to know um, which departments are are actually playing a role, right? And as far as using your product, so again, what is or what are the key departments you're selling to, right? Is it just one? Is it two? You need to find out what departments, who in those departments are you targeting specifically? Who can have the biggest impact? Yeah, it's it's funny enough, but we have a great experience with this. Uh, in early 2021, when we uh, got an opportunity to work with a, a Series B B2B SaaS company, uh, we thought we were going to the yeah. marketer alone. We thought that was the only key title we had to sell to. Well, come to find out, we got to go to the big dog, the CFO. He has approved this budget increase. It has to make sense to the CFO as well. Um, reality yeah. check for us, we can speak the marketing language, but we also have to learn to speak the finance language to appease the CFO because if he's going to increase the budget, it needs to make sense to the company. So we had to learn to speak the language of the CFO no. as well. Which it makes so, sense again, to a VP of marketing or at a marketing, but it may not make sense to a CFO. And you have to make it make sense. Again, that goes to the department. You may be selling into marketing, but is marketing the only one, the only buying committee that is affected by this yeah. purchase? Of course not. And especially if it's a tech company, because the gatekeeper for, for a SaaS product, if it requires a lot of integration and like customization to be built, the gatekeeper may be the CTO or somebody on the tech team. It may not be who yeah. you think you're selling to because the gatekeeper being the CTO, he may not want to upend the entire website or the entire process to build and, and put in your thing because it may mess something up. So you have to learn to speak the language of both the department you're selling to and the one implementing it, it, it goes both ways. So you just have to understand the nuances there. And, and you'll learn as you go, of course, nobody gets this perfect in the beginning, but be prepared to not just talk to your department or key title, but look at the adjacent ones who are also influenced by this purchase. Uh, the third set, um, this is a fun one, and, and we put our actual examples in, in, in here as well. Uh, so total transparency, we, that's how much we love y'all. Um, so buying signals. It's huge. Uh, and a lot of companies don't have these written down. Um, but number one, buying signals. So like, what are the signals that you can see online? Like what, what what's going on? So some of the early buying signals for us, for, for companies or B2B SaaS marketers uh, is online research. Uh -huh. They'll visit our website. Uh, they consume our content. That's one of our favorite ones. Uh, they'll contact us. They'll request a proposal or a quote for us as a proposal. Um, they'll engage on, with us on social. They'll attend a webinar or an event. Those are great buying signals. The next step is the engagement action. So these are different. These are these are kind of things that they're engaging with you directly that you're visibly able to see. Um, number one is kind of going to come on the back end, and also through um, through intense signals, which Shalika actually mentioned uh, uh, a few that may be really good for you guys that we think uh, you could really utilize here. But 
Um, number two, engagement actions. So requesting a consultation, that's an engagement action. That's something tangible. They just ask to talk to you. Participating in an in-depth discussion. If they give you the time of day, that's an engagement yep. action. Now it's different if, if you're cold calling and they sit there for 30 seconds and they're like, yep, yep, mm -hmm. right, yeah. you can kind of get a sense that they don't care. But that's not if they're participating in the discussion, there's a high likelihood that there that, that there's an engagement action there that's signaling an interest in at least hearing and exploring your product. Um, here's a big one for us. This is one uh, when I when we learned about it, it was a game changer. But providing access to yeah. internal data, we didn't know before people purchased or came on board and partnered with us that they would allow us to go into the CRM and look and see what's yeah, going but on. Hey, hey, look, we like, whoa, look at this. this this is what happened last month. Let's let's actually talk about it. Um, and, and again, that could be in numerous ways. Whether we're we're on a Zoom call and they just share the screen. I mean, that's that's a big deal, right? Because now now it turns from just just a, a Zoom call, right? Or you know, attending a demo with us. You know, well for us it would be a strategy call. Um, it goes okay. from that to actually showing. Okay, well this is what my CRM looks like. Um, how can you guys help me? It's like okay, well, you're showing us your data. That that's that's a pretty good signal. And so we we've learned that for us, that is a, a definite buying signal, right? That's that's a very big big buying signal. Yeah. Also, requesting case studies and references for us, at least, that's when we know yeah. we got you. Okay. In a lot of cases, I'm not saying we're 100 percent perfect, but if you request a case studies, because we've shown so much value on the front end that you know we understand your problem. You've seen our process and you're like, okay, these guys know what they're talking about. I think they can really help us. Can you show us proof? That's all you need. What if you done for other companies similar to mine? Yes, exactly. Uh, involving key stakeholders. That same Series B company got the head of sales and the chief growth officer involved in this purchase. No. That's how we knew it was getting there. And we, we got, um, got buy-in from both of them. And we're still good friends with all of them to this day. Um, nego negotiating terms and pricing. So anytime pricing is brought up and they at least negotiate, you yeah. know, you got something. Now you may not want to negotiate and go down on price, but of, of course, if, if it's worth it and, and you're in these situations, that's an engagement action that's going to show like, Hey, if you're willing to adjust with me here, I, I'm ready to move forward. And then lastly, requesting a proposal or contract. If you get the contract, <laughs> I can't say 100% of the time because we, we've had a couple yeah. rare cases where <laughs> you signed the contract and didn't start. But 90, not 90% of the time, if you get to the contract stage, you're, you're probably going to yeah. move forward. Um, lastly, is buying catalysts. So what actually causes them to look, look for stuff? Like what what causes them, what, what creates the demand or what creates the interest and need to get this problem solved? For us, our companies who have growth targets, like aggressive growth targets. Um, it's for uh, marketing teams that have inadequate in-house resources. You just don't have enough bodies. You don't have enough frameworks. You don't have enough experience. You need somebody right. who's done it over and over and over again to come and plug in and make this work. Uh, it's a competitive landscape. If you're, in a, if you're in a mature market and you're using antique methods and, methods and tactics and playbooks, you're going to get crushed. Uh, market expansion or product launch. Uh, something we preach very heavily in that we see some companies do it right is that your product launch shouldn't be disruptive to your go-to-market strategy. It should be the same thing. It should be an extension of it. Uh, so if 
you have a if you're trying to expand into a new market, let's say you're you're a European company, you try to expand into the U.S. Um, a great example of that is a, is uh, is SaaS stock who we're partnering partnering with. They're looking to finally break into the mm-hmm. U.S. market and do it here in Austin, um, and that's great. And this would be a time where they would probably want to partner with uh, uh, an American agency to help them understand the nuances or a product launch, things like that. Uh, performance gaps. If you have aggressive Go AR ahead. targets and you're lacking in driving enough qualified pipeline for sales, you're probably going to call us. Um, scaling challenges. I did good here, yeah. but I can't grow it. Call us. It worked. Technologically. It worked last year, yeah. but it it helped us get to one million, but we're not. We can't get to the two million. We can't get to five million. Yeah, we're stuck. And then technological advances. That's probably one of the fun ones. It's like. They do the same thing. Cancel one. Yeah. Just use this one. Yeah. But anyway, these these are a lot of the buying catalysts for for us at least. Uh, next slide. Uh, here's a really good one. Um, situational signals, right? Um, it's something that we in in like real life example we go to Crunchbase for for yeah. these right here. Actually, um. Organization, organizational changes, number one, is what key title changes have happened. For us, we love working with the B2B SaaS marketer who's in their first yep. 90 days. We love it. That's a key That's a key signal for us. It's not always that you need help. You can be an experienced marketer, but we know how difficult that first 90 yep. days is, and we've done it before, and we can help you accelerate the change and the implementation you need so that that 90 days feels like 30, and you can get to you know actual revenue-generating activities quicker. Um, secondly, is key Def- events. Definitely. We're looking for fundraising. Key events, is def- yeah, we're def- looking def- for fundraising. Big one. Um, yeah, and that, and that that actually it goes both ways, right? So pre-raise, post-raise, right? Whereas like pre-raise is like, hey, like okay, we need we need people coming in, or we need this you know product or service coming in because we have to hit our targets within another three months. Or it's like, okay, well, we just got funding. Now it's time to scale, right? And then again, something like that. That's a key event, you know. Um, and then yep, a new and- product, like that kind of goes without saying, but like, you know, again, what, what products is launching to where it's like, you can, you can kind of place yourself in and go, okay, well, if they launch this type of product or if they launch a product, you know, and then three months later, they're, they're having challenges. Those are, that's a situation that, that you can take a, like advantage of, right. And to where you can come in and provide value. And so these are obviously things that you want to, Think about when again you're looking at your ICP because this is what is going to help you scale from one million to to ten to twenty. You have to figure these things out. The earlier, the better. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, this is probably going to be my favorite part of the presentation. I love talking about this. Uh, it, it's funny. We literally just got uh, a conversation. Somebody asked us about this this morning yeah. on a call, uh, and it's verifying your ICP with data. They're they're. Um, and I'll, I'll caveat it with this. The reason verifying your ICP with data is so important is because when you hit the growth stage or go-to-market fit stage, so this is the stage after you've hit product market fit, you're going from trying to get everybody in your TAM to now you're creating actual profitable yep. segments. And the only way to create po- profitable segments in later <laughs> cohorts is to verify your ICP with data. And the way you want to do that is... It's simple. Number one, look at your last six to 12 months of historical data by industry and segment. 
that's that's one of the that's one of the things killing go to market teams is they're not looking at historical data long like far enough back and looking for benchmarks. They'll and look trends. through last quarter, right? And be like, okay, well, we we did this yeah. last quarter, so let's try it again this quarter. And be like, okay, well, look, it worked last quarter. You tried it four quarters ago, it didn't work. Okay, so you know, let let's look at the whole the whole six to twelve months, and let's really look at it. And see, okay, well, what is the data really saying? Not just don't be biased. And well, okay, well, because we have a, we had a good quarter, like we just have to use everything from that quarter. No, don't do that. It's a it's a year. It's four quarters. Like things are seasonal. Like you may have a great first yeah. quarter, but again, you hear sometimes like people go on vacation in August and your sales are down. It's it's a lot of skewed data if you look at it from too small of yep. a window. So that's why we rec highly recommend six to 12 months of historical data, more so on the 12 months. But if you only have six, let's, let's work with it. Um, number two, please compare industry mm -hmm. standards. Well, industry standards, but more importantly, what makes sense yep. for your business. Um, and you're looking at four key metrics when you're verifying your ICP. And you have to, it has to make sense. The customer acquisition costs, how much are you acquiring customers for? Are you breaking even? Are you not profitable? That's the red flag. What's their LTV? The LTV has to make sense for whatever the CAC payback period is. Because if your payback period is what? nine months and they're only averaging staying with you for six, you're not recovering the cost of your customers through the lifetime value. So whoever has the biggest lifetime value that makes sense against the CAC payback period, that's gonna be a, a, a positive signal for you. Churn and retention, just because they're easy to sell to, does not mean they're gonna be good for you on the back end. We just had a perfect example of it, of a company that we were working with. We were bringing in droves of this segment. Come to find out when we had our meeting with customer success 30 days after we launched the program, they looked at the historical data from before we started the program and said, oh, sorry, I meant to tell you, this segment doesn't work. They have a high churn. We don't work well with them. Oh, thanks. <laughs> perfect. So churn and retention is, are just as important. Like. Don't look at it from just an acquisition standpoint, but you got to go yeah. further into the funnel and go talk to CS. Uh, the fourth one is sales cycle. And this was the one that uh, the, the guy we were talking with today was really hyped about. He was like, yeah, this, like when I launch my next company, like I want to go after those who have the shortest sales cycle. Sales cycle yep. is hell. We know it for a fact. It is, it is especially now in this climate, a sell, yeah. sales cycle is hell. But whoever has the shortest sales cycle, that's a key indicator. It's not the only one. That's why you have to validate the other, the other ones as well. Because just because they have this, a short sales cycle doesn't mean they have a good uh, retention, you know? So to put it all together on the comparison aspect of it, this is who your best ICP or segments if of you ICP anything are. From this presentation, the this is the main, this is the main part. This is the main part. This is how you know who your best ICP and your best segments are. Who has the lowest CAC, the longest LTV, the, the lowest churn, and the lowest sales cycle. Look at those four metrics. Talk to the customer success. Go find out those four metrics, and and, and turn yes, off everybody else. Yes, it takes work. Who doesn't? Yes, it takes work. It takes work, but you get paid for it. This is why you get paid the big bucks, and you're playing in the, in the big leagues now to figure out stuff like this. But that's how you verify who is a profitable segment for you is those four metrics. And, and of course, there's a lot more, but these are the probably most important. Uh, and that's step two. Now, the last three are, are number three is choose the, the you know, one to two most profitable verticals or segments because 
for big companies or growth stage companies and beyond, you're probably going to have more than one segment alone. And that's why you hit product market fit to find that out. Uh, so you're going to pick your one to two profitable segments, especially if you have the internal resources and capacity to handle more than one, then do that. Um, fourth, for us, and this is goes specifically to marketers, is run an ad campaign against that new ICP you just validated. See what's resonating with them. Get the content engine going. Get the engagement going. Go, go get more data. Get better data now because you just shaved off a lot of data by verifying your ICP. Now you need new data on the on the ICP that you yeah. just validated and verified. So run an ad campaign, get the content out there, get the juices flowing, get the conversations going so you can get better information on that ICP that's been profitable for you. Lastly, gather the data and make iterations on step one okay. through five. That's simple. Yep. That does it for the, for the presentation. Um, I felt good about it. I felt, I think, especially the verifying part, I think for companies approaching product market fit or have, have just hit it and are now scaling uh, beyond that, it's important for them to understand, especially because, um, you know, we're, we're going after companies who are in the go-to-market fit phase. They're, they're trying to scale their unit economics. They're trying to be more sophisticated. Uh, and one of the key signs of, of a sophisticated company that's come out of product market fit is that they've been able to verify a, a, a winning segment. You're yeah. not in the pre-product market fit phase where you're trying to figure out which segment fits with you the best. Um, so I hope that that add a lot of value to, to the audience. Oh you know? yeah, for sure. I, I know it did. Um, again, because this is, and actually it, it, it's, it's really good because I hope that, that people see this and it makes them go back and want to revalidate their ICP, right? Let's 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 go back and look at the the numbers again. If we haven't looked at the the numbers in six months, um, let's go back and and look at what we thought was the ICP six months ago or a year ago, and let's validate that and see is that still the ICP to today? Um, because I feel like some some companies are going to find out that probably it's probably not, and some people may figure out okay, well now it's time to double down on what we think. Right. Um, so exactly. I, I really hope that everybody was able to get some value out of this one. Um, again, I know ICP is, is something that everybody thinks that they're experts in. But I mean, even us, we would never say we're experts in, in ICP because it's something that's always constantly changing. It changes every year, if not every quarter. Um, so definitely keep that in mind, because this is what's going to help you scale um, all the way to 10 million, 20 million is doing this on a consistent basis. Um, so definitely keep that in mind. Yeah, do the hard work now and reap the benefits in the in the next year when you're the the CMO and and you you got uh, a good amount of of options of uh, stock options and you know things are going well and you're the hero the go to market team. Uh, we want these outcomes for you. So do the hard work now. Uh, get all the 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 wrinkles out of your out of your strategies and out of your operations and make it as seamless and frictionless as possible and you'll you'll reap the look benefits data. Soon, like trust and believe it look, look through your data. your data just look through your data that's, that's step one look through your data that, that's all that's that's the action items for this look episode go look at your go, data go figure and out that's who, it who your all right that sums it up episode three in the books i hope everybody enjoyed it um i hope you're able to get some value from it and we look forward to seeing you in episode four this is a, again, it's going to be a doozy. I love it. <laughs>